0: My guest today is excited to be back in the director's chair. I could hear it in his voice when I talked to him. Gino McGahey is a name I've heard for multiple years, spoken with high praise throughout the New England film region and even beyond that. But Gino is more than a regional filmmaker or as he's been called a backyard filmmaker. He's a horror movie fan who didn't ask for an opportunity to go make his own films. He just went and did it. He has a new film premiering next week rise of the scarecrows hell on earth something that he seems fired up about and it also seems like a project that has been a long time coming so let's put some respect on his name welcome to the basement Gino McGahey. Tyler, hi there. How are you? Hello, hi, sir. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome, welcome to the basement. Welcome to the basement. I appreciate you having me. I I mean, I'm yeah, I really wanted you here after we had a previous guest on. Lori Bacon was on who's in your who's she's in your upcoming film actually, which is one thing we're here to talk about today. But um Gino, you're a filmmaker. Yes, just- From the region where I'm from, up in, you're still up in Western Mass, right? I am. Yes, I am. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're. You're still cranking out a lot of uh, genre films up there. And um, once I heard she was in your movie, I just like connected the dots, and uh, I was like, "Ah, I should reach out. I think I even said it on the air. I was like, I should reach out to him, maybe see if he wants to come on. So here we are. We're in the month of October, obviously. Um, I mean, we're taping right now in September, but uh, I'm doing a full on just horror movie binge through with all these episodes and pretty much just talking horror, talking the genre, whether it's films, uh, books, uh, what, I don't know, whatever, but I'm happy to have an actual filmmaker on here today. So, um, I don't know, just kick us off, like, well, what's your, what's your, what's your deal? How'd you... How would how'd you get into this? Okay, well, it all started a
1: long, long, long time ago. Um, okay, Alex, 12, years, yeah, yeah, 12 years ago. I was 12 years old, I should say. And uh, I had been writing since I was a kid. I've I'm, I'm am always been a writer, storyteller. And my parents had one of those um, 80s-style camcorders, the uh, shoulder. You know, I'm old, so that's they had those back in the day. And, and so... I was like, it was never used, like it was just collecting dust. And so I'd seen a film called Galaxy Invader Invader by Don Dohler, very low budget, but it made it to the video stores. And so I watched that and I said, holy shit, you know, if you can if if he can make something like that, then, then I can make something like that. So at 12 years old, I started making like endless skits, real stupid stuff, all improv, all you know, alien invasion, zombies, the typical stuff you'd expect a 12-year-old uh, to film with his buddies. And um, it didn't, I, in 1997, as I said, I'm old, I had filmed a, a, a film called Evil Awakening, not the one that eventually got released, but it was another VHS camcorder sort of film with my buddies. And it wasn't i didn't make it to for it to go anywhere i didn't make it to be anything i made it just to do something and so we we made vhs copies we gave them to our friends before we knew it friends of friends had them and people were talking about it and i thought well why not try a feature and i was working at a video store at the time and it was a seven chain mom and pop shop and i figured if nothing else maybe i can make a feature do way better than I did in the past, which wouldn't have been difficult and then get it on those at those seven stores. I figured I would just go to my boss and say, put it on the shelves or I quit. That was my plan. And, um, (laughs) yeah, heaven forbid I lose a minimum wage job. True. And and so I ended up, um, filming it and, and a few things were happening at the time. Um, I started a website and I started, um, interviewing like just horror people. I, my, my thought was to just uh, review horror films because I would rent horror films 10 times and say, oh, fuck, I already rented this. And then a week later, rent the same video for another three bucks and say, this is the same fucking shit movie I rented last week. <laughs> so so the idea was to make a review site, review films, but then I wanted to get my films distributed. So I interviewed uh, distributors And uh, because distributors wouldn't talk to me unless I interviewed them about themselves. And once I got on their good side, I actually got worldwide distribution for the evil awakening that we made after that. And that one was shot on a bad digital vacation camera and edited in windows movie maker, but it got distributed. And so that's kind of how, that's how I got in the
0: game, Tyler, though. That's the long short of it, I guess. No, that's, I, 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 I was that one on Amazon Prime like five ish years ago because you, you know it was uh, I, what happened yeah it was it cause was when I because when I watched sorry when I watched Scary Tales um which is a movie you did a while I don't know how long how long was that like 20... 2012 I think yeah what I watched that and I remember like a bunch of like maybe not a bunch I don't know like maybe two or three other things with your name on it popped up and so Ryan. I started clicking on all of them and watching them. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's the real deal. So I don't know, but I definitely feel like I've watched it the way you describe it.
1: You know, Evil Awakening, this is this is the whole thing with Evil Awakening. I was in my early 20s and I was uh, working at a video station. and I would read all the magazines they'd send in uh, for the owner. And one of them was, if you want to make it in film, make a horror film on digital and get their attention in the first five minutes. But this is coming at a 20 something year old that wasn't exactly mature. And so it became just a in your face, ridiculous. Like uh, in the first two minutes of the film, you have an old guy getting ran over and, and pissed on by a road rage guy. And I'm like, but in my 20 some odd year mind, I was like, well, that'll get their attention. And, and, you know, remarkably, Evil Awakening uh did well. I, I was actually surprised that people didn't, you know, beat me up too much for that one. That I think people said, hey, he made this intentionally bad. And I'm just glad they thought there was some intent to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Um, No, I, I feel you on that. Um, Yeah, when I was to kind of parallel what you were saying, you know, you just you got picked up like a camera an 80s style camera. I remember my first, my first like time I ever kind of tried to make films. I was actually five years old. I know that's the, there's no way I'm making a movie when I'm five years old. Sure. Well, I mean, hey, you never know, but. No, it's true. uh, But my dad spilled some knowledge on me and said like, oh, we'll just go down to the public access channel and rent a camera. And I, even then I never did that but when I was about 14 going on 15 I me and like some buddies who had a bunch of toy guns we wanted to go make because Grand Theft Auto 3 was out at the time, we basically were like, "Well, I'm gonna go make the adaptation of Grand Theft Auto." <laughs> and, <laughs> like Liberty City was Florence, Massachusetts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we went. So I went down to the public access. You know, it's like you got to take a class, but really, it's just a, you know some guy, you know, on thirty-five grand a year kind of job sits you down with a camcorder and says, "Here's where the record is. Here's where you put the tape." <laughs> And I was like, cool. And then he gives it to me and I rent it out for the weekend. I went and tried to make Grand Theft Auto, the movie with some friends. Never got finished. I probably would have. I don't even think Rockstar Games would have sued me, even if it did. (laughs) because It was just so bad. But eventually, like, I want to say a year later for Christmas, and this is probably the best gift my father ever got me on Christmas. Was and I know it was him. Like I could decipher, even though it was Santa Claus by the time. I mean, I was a teenager by then, but I could decipher what was a gift from my mom, what was a gift from my dad. Sure. And I opened up a it was a little camcorder. There were still little mini tapes from just a Walmart camcorder. And I thought it was awesome because now I have my own camera. Yes. I don't give a shit if the I mean. You know, people debate, you know, what the quality of the images now and whatnot, and what cameras are used. I'm sure I didn't fucking care. I was like, I have a camera now. I'm going to run around with it and make these little yep. stupid horror movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I went out and literally made a film that was Halloween meets Silence of the Lambs. Oh, nice. It's nice. literally like Michael Myers being tracked by the FBI. And oh sweet i ended up it ended up being like a final project in like my 10th grade av class and like i crashed the computer because i had like 10 hours of footage on this thing <laughs> but no that's cool that you just like you know you found a camera and because you know that's i think people overthink that with they do you know you you just you want to have like you want to just go out and shoot on a red in your first time and whatnot and You know, Mm -hmm. I'm still like jotting down ideas that I want to shoot on my iPhone. And I don't know if I ever will, but the fact that I got it right here and I don't know, we'll see what happens. But I just think it's I always think it's kind of cool when I hear those first like time people got a camera. It's it's. And if
1: you're waiting for everything to be perfect, you'll never make a film. Exactly. You're better to just produce.
0: Yeah, it's it's that that's a valid point because you know, you even hear about all these problems on these big budget movies and you're like, well, it's not perfect there either. So yep. yep. you also mentioned video store days and I just, I don't know. I'm kind of a, um, I'm in my thirties now. So I, I still, I mean, I was there for kind of the end of VHS and the beginning yep. of the DVD boom. Obviously you just admitted you were a video store, like connoisseur. Like what, 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 what are some of your memories from that era
1: well you know the 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 thing is okay i was you know fucking dirt poor um and so my friday (laughs) my friday night would consist of um hitting this video store that would have five movies five days five dollars i had no real interest in the new releases my my my, i would go right to their horror section because they had obscure shit like you know uh rocktober blood and then the burning And uh, in a trick or treat. And so i I pick those up, I'd get myself a frozen pizza and life was good. You know, it's weird how you think things aren't good then. But the simpler times are always the better times. Yeah. And and so every Friday I would do that. And so for what would be basically eight bucks, I'd have my whole weekend planned. And uh, I love the video stores, man. It's something that, that I miss because there was a certain community to it, too, where you'd walk in and you just talk to people and you'd learn like there's something different about meeting someone face to face than meeting, talking to them online or, or, or whatever. And, and, I, and I've seen that across the board. I don't, I don't ever want to talk about politics on this show with you, Tyler, uh, or with anybody. But I'll say this, that that I don't think we'd have as much bullshit on Facebook if people sat down and spoke face to face, if there was a community everywhere it's it's uh, i think there'd be a lot more hugs and a lot less yells i agree
0: with you a lot on that because i've actually like i don't know i'm gonna probably get in trouble but (laughs) (laughs) no i could i think you're right because i think a lot of people are just you know gnawing at the bit to tear somebody a new one with you know something they read that out trumps something that that person read and I, yep. honestly, when I'm talking to a lot of people in person that even I disagree with that, I know that they have beliefs that I disagree with. Sure. And just still I walk away from that exchange, not like bitter or like, yep. oh, that motherfucker, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Video stores. Anyway, um, yeah. sorry about that. Tyler. No, no, no. Because like I was just the only reason why I said that is um, I just like quit a second job. And okay. like, there, there's people that I work with there that like, you know, have a lot of different beliefs than I did, but I got along with them really well. Oh yeah. And is what it is. But no, I just, I, I miss the video store days. I miss, I, I would sometimes literally, cause when I was about like getting out of high school, like 18 years old, you know, everybody's going to parties and I went to parties and stuff, but you know, I also. I feel like I'm five years ahead of the curve. Like everybody eventually starts hating parties. Sure. I hated parties when I was 20. Yep. Like yep, yep. <laughs> and I and I'm not like <laughs> super anti-social. And you know, and now like everybody's like, oh, I don't even want to go to the bar or anything. But I, I would just sometimes just take a Friday night. I wouldn't answer text messages. I wouldn't yep. answer a phone call. And I would go to the video store. And absolutely, I would just it's it's almost like what I do at the library now. Like I'll take out like a stack of books that I might not even read. Yep. And like, they look at you like you're going to get through all this. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking try. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <yeah. laughs> right. I, I just like, I mean, I did blockbuster cause there's a blockbuster in my hometown in Northampton. And, but I also, there was a couple, like, you know, a couple of small shops. I remember in Amherst mass, there was the DVD den yes i remember that that and the guy there was so I, I forget his name i don't know his name but the guy there was so cool like when i'd walk up with like criterion stuff and like kind of cinema snob stuff like he'd be like oh yeah you just like have a lot of insight on it yeah, and yeah. that's another thing i miss like just like the guy at the counter the jamie kennedy guy and scream like yes <laughs>
1: Uh, Did you know um, of the place, it was in Holyoke, I forget the name of it, but during the week they ran a video store, on the weekend they opened up the basement, and it was another video store where they sold VHS and DVDs, and you could like buy a card and you could, oh dude I would go there on the weekend. I would just buy a ton. That's how I got introduced to a lot of stuff because I'm not sure if it was because video stores were closing or whatnot, but they would just have such a huge stock of just rare films or like horror films I didn't know existed. And so I was like a kid in a candy store. Um, You really can't replace that. And, And I think when you rent a movie of back in the day, you're more invested in it. Like Amazon Prime, if you don't like it after two minutes, you're not losing anything by, by clicking away. Yeah. You're, you're losing something if you spend $4 to rent it. and You're going to watch it through. I'm getting my $4 worth, and it might turn out to be good. You never know, but you won't know if you kill it after five minutes. The
0: thing is, is I still have this problem with streaming where I can't bail out of something. Well, that's good. I, and maybe that just comes back to like the respect for physical media and the artist. And I know sure. I'm supporting the big guys by streaming, but it, there's just something about like, I'll watch, I'll, I like sometimes I put something on to help me fall asleep. And right. like last night, I put something on. Oh my God. I put on the John Gotti, John Travolta movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, it was just to help me fall asleep. I'd already seen it before. It's it's not that yep. great, but sure. um, sometimes I'll be like, well, I'm going to let the thing finish, but I'm going to go do laundry. It, it's just, I have this problem where I don't like it sitting in my continue watching queue. Sure. it's it, I don't know, but. No,
1: I, I try, you know, I end up, um, I find myself gravitating towards horror films from like between 2000 and 2004. Five, you know, like Miners Massacre and the Headless Horseman, not the uh, Johnny Depp one, the low-budget one. It's there. There was something magical about that time. I'm like, I can't put my finger on it, but the look, and it just seemed to be like some love of the craft, the good storytelling, despite the absurdity of the story. So when I find one I haven't seen, uh, I, I'm 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 brought back to my video store days. Maybe it's just nostalgia. I I haven't really analyzed it too too much, but. Um, that those years 2000 to 2005, I've been really watching a lot of those mm-hmm. films and, and uh, enjoying the times,
0: yeah. That the, um, the video store days, well, like one last thing here, oh, like two last things because once people get me going on it, I, I kind of can't shut my trap. But, um, um, I was talking about this in a previous episode that whole thing when I was like five years old and I'd see the horror aisle. When I was like four or five, I'd go to these, I'd go to the video store and I'd see the horror aisle and I would just, I'd stay away from it and I'd I'd get so scared of it, but I'd also kind of try and peek in there. Sure. And the things that would like freak me out is I remember there was a, I mean, the cover of the Leprechaun movies scared the shit out of me, even though, you know, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Leprechaun (laughs) movies are what they are. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston needed to start somewhere, you know, but
1: not a bad, not a bad start though. Not a, not a t- terrible movie.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, but I remember thinking, um, I've already said this on the show, but I'm gonna say it again. Like when I saw the cover of Jason takes Manhattan, yep. it just something about it. I was like, no, he can come to New York. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and just like I would dare myself to go down the aisle and like look behind the VHS tapes and just see the what the cover art on the back and and there was always these just aesthetics to the look of just like horror VHS rentals or just the tapes they're just they felt like you shouldn't be looking at them
1: yes and I, I
0: I don't think we have that I mean obviously we don't because I think you know physical media is taking a back seat and it's almost kind of like a niche market now. Sure. But it, it, there is kind of that feeling of like, you're doing something you shouldn't by looking at the tape. And there's actually a down here in Florida, there's a, and I'm, I'm going to plug this on the air. Cause I'm hoping to get the owner of the shop on here. Uh, uh-huh. there's, there's this place called Grindhouse video. Oh geez. Yeah. You should look into it. <laughs> I will. I will. It's, uh. it, cause they, cause they ship, um, uh, they ship online. I mean, mainly they've been online because of COVID. But sure, um, this guy—they th- just have everything from Vinegar Syndrome's releases, Arrow, just all this old classic like '80s and '70s cult stuff that you nice. cannot find anywhere. And there's a little VHS spot in the back, and it is just—and wow. it—it's just like this little shack, and it's one—and it just has that feeling of when you go in there. And you just you again, you just feel like you're kind of doing something illegal. (laughs) (laughs) And I just I guess I kind of miss those days, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I miss them, too. I I encourage, you know, any any uh, person that wants to start a shop like that to do so. I know there's one in Vegas and that's an old school video store, but they're few and far between. But, you know, uh, when you look at the streaming, there's been a purge in streaming. It's, It's more difficult to get picked up uh, by like Amazon prime and, and uh, other venues than it once was. And so if these stores emerge and if they get any traction, who knows, maybe it's the answer to uh, that branch of the horror tree
0: being cut off recently. Yeah. All right. I think we've talked a lot about video (laughs) (laughs) store. We did. We did. But like, I actually, well, no, I actually, I mean, you're a filmmaker, and I wanted to get you on the show, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain on what inspires you, and I mean, you've been at at this for a while, and I'm sure you can maybe just give some tips, I mean, you already kind of have to just like, you know, young and upcoming people, filmmakers within the, the genre, especially, like, what's been your inspirations, like films you've seen over the years that just I mean, I know of a few that I can't wait to talk with you about, but um, I don't know, just like what's what's jumped out at you?
1: Well, you know, there was a film called Race with the Devil out of the 70s, uh, and that one stuck with me. And I made a film called Family Secret. It was later titled Satanic Meat." Cleaver Massacre because it never got any traction under the first name but there is a meat cleaver and there is some satanic stuff so it's not false advertising but Race with the Devil there's a film called The Comeback I'm not sure if you've seen that one or not I've heard of it Uh, it's a fucking awesome film and so that one uh, was also a big inspiration but I I brought up Galaxy Invader in the past and I'm probably one of the only goofballs that watches that film weekly uh, because it's a I'm just so uh, astounded by the, the fact that Don Dollar was able to make this film on nothing and get it in like every video store in the nation. And that's how I found it. You talk about like moments you remember of being young. That was I was very young. I was maybe uh, 11 or 12 years old walking down the horror aisle looking for something and saw what a cartoon alien on the cover of this VHS box. And so that kind of inspired me. But I think. You know, my biggest inspiration, Tyler, is just how I'm wired. You know, it's it's like I think I'm just drawn to this field. And I think I always was. Even before that, uh, I got that camera when I was 12 because I wrote a lot of my stories in screenplay form. And so not that I ever wanted to do a a play. I certainly did not want to do a play, but I think it was always something in the back of my head where if I ever get the opportunity to to make a film, uh, I will. So it's I'm sorry about that honking in the background. I apologize uh, my neighbors. (laughs) Oh, good, good. I got a good headset on. So maybe you don't only I do. Um, But yeah, it was um, I I think my inspirations are my instincts. And I've just been drawn to it, you know, and also uh, I've been mesmerized just by film in and of itself, watching something come together and and also being creative. I know you can relate to this when you watch something that, that gets you excited sparks creativity in you where you want to make something. And so when I saw the galaxy invader, the first thing I did was make a stupid alien short film or skit, whatever you want to call it at 12 years old. So yeah, that's, that's been my inspiration. And now I think my inspiration continues, but now, you know, um, I kind of want to make a statement, Tyler. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I've been called a backyard filmmaker for a very long time, and it it stems from my beginning films, and I understand that. And I understand uh, watching my other films like Sickle and and Scary Tales that I wasn't using the best equipment in the world, and, and I concede that, but... But now with um, *Rise of Scarecrows*, *Hell on Earth*, I've made a, a big effort to kind of check the boxes because I, I I feel that I've grown as as a as a writer and as a person and that I've learned a lot and so I'm, I'm putting you'll still get critics I know and I still I'm sure when I put it out there'll still be things that I miss and I look back and say that guy was right uh, but th- I think this will be the first film I've made where at least the, the horror mainstream will well at least not say uh put down your camera don't quit your day job all those nice things they've said to me
0: yeah well yeah that's always rough hearing that stuff but um i uh i don't know i feel like i mean I, i still got a ways to go i think we all still got a ways to go but i just i've noticed something with me i'm I'm not saying I'm the best writer in the world. I know, like I said, I know I got a ways to go, but I definitely, I look back on stuff I've written 10 years ago and I Mm -hmm. go, okay, I'm getting better with age. Yes. Um, You know, I I feel like that happens to every artist out there. They just, they kind of, whether it's a filmmaker, whether it's a musician, I mean, like maybe the public, I might not see that, but, you know, internally, I don't know. I just, you kind of, you get wiser, you get, no matter what you're doing, whether you're making a horror film, whether you're making writing poetry, I think you just you're as long as you just work on your craft, you know, day in and day out. And that's, you know, seems like something you do. I mean, I definitely I'm sitting at this laptop trying to bang something out every night, but um. you're
1: right. You're you're, you're right. Because um, like I've in the original, I made the original Rise of the Scarecrows in 2003. And I basically made it back to back with Evil Awakening. Uh, We made Evil Awakening. I really couldn't find anybody to pick it up. I made Rise of the Scarecrows, figuring that maybe they'd pick that one up and then evil would get out there. And so I was still very young and it's still the film that I I look back on. And I think I've learned the most from uh, in, in a lot of ways, because I was dealing with friends, not actors, and no one understood what I wanted to do. And I still have the screenplay to this day where I would sharpie out lines so they could just say one sentence instead of saying the entire line. I wasn't assertive enough or or uh, I didn't have the leadership or confidence. And so now with this new Scarecrow film, which is, you know, remarkable from a personal standpoint that I'm uh, going back to the Scarecrows, But um, this is a film like you just you, you just said it perfectly. You look back and you say, wow. I've grown and I think a lot of factors go into it. Uh it just life experience, you know, yeah. for me on a personal standpoint, having kids, um, you know, I'm not uh, as, as perverse as I was in my twenties. I don't think, well, maybe mentally I am, but it, on paper it's different. And uh, so I think um, it, it like a more sentimental side comes out when you have kids and it plays well when you
0: write a film. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely agree with that because uh, I think like uh a lot of things come out when you supposedly have kids I'll get there one day but uh uh-huh. <laughs> I know for a fact uh I think Stephen King when he did wrote the shining supposedly and this is just hearsay from um other podcasts I've listened to that talk about Stephen King mm-hmm. when he he was knee-deep in alcoholism I think he was addicted to some started drugs i don't know what it was at the time and he found out he was going to be a father yep so he pretty much wrote the shining fleshing out his fears and anxieties of being this awful father wow on the page and so therefore that's why you get a character like jack torrance wow and so like i i mean i just i think you know I've heard the rumor that, you know, oh, once you have kids, you know, you're not, you know, you lose the creative spark or everything. You're no longer. And I don't know. I feel like things get deeper because now you have mm-hmm. a walking human being around you that you've never loved more than anything. And, yep. you know, that can also be a very scary thing. Hence something like Firestarter, also yep. just dropping some names because supposedly that has to do with when he had a child. And, You know, this thing can now grow up and take on the world, but it can also burn it down. You're right. And I I just, I think, I don't know. I I always love how people in this genre kind of write, maybe write like a very out there plot line of whatever it is they're doing and creating, but it always comes from something like from the heart. It's either something from an internal struggle they have, or it's from like, some sort of fear out there, which I think we're seeing a lot more horror of directors are seeing crazy stuff out there and they're kind of fleshing it out on the page. Oh yeah. Well, and I think you're right. I think
1: like every film I've written, there's always been a character kind of based almost on myself where it's, 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 you do transfer your feelings and your emotions yeah, to the film. And again, back to kids, certainly, I would debate anyone that said you lose your creativity. I think it's quite the opposite, especially when, when they get a little bit older and you start seeing that they're kind of following the same path you did. They kind of, you know, I have a, I have an 11 year old that's writing stories and into horror and I'm seeing, you know, it's basically pushed me even farther because, you know, in the end I want to give this one more, you know, big run and I know how difficult it is. I know, uh, with streaming, it, it's 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 a tough nut to crack. And I, I might lose money on, on Scarecrows. I've, I, I have no issue with that, but uh, I'm not going to stop. My, my end goal is to, to make a bunch of films in succession in the next uh, few years. And if they hit great, if they if they don't um, at least, you know, hopefully, you know, 100 years from now, someone will get bored and they'll look for a movie and they'll say, what the fuck is this? And then uh, I live
0: again for a few minutes. There's like a lot of films out there, a lot of filmmakers from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm not saying this is going to be you, but I'm saying like, you know, people from now are kind of starting to discover, I can't name anything really off the top of my head right now, but, you know, okay, maybe they didn't live these luxury lives in the Hollywood Hills, but they were cranking out, you know, a movie every two years that was maybe a little low budget. Mm Mm-hmm but it had this charm to it. And, you know, hence you create kind of a cult following. And I mean, who knows? Like my thing is, is okay. You know, I haven't, I've kind of been in director's jail for a while. I I say that jokingly. I just mm-hmm. life changed. I was working in TV for a while and now I'm hoping to God, you know, someone will just read my goddamn script. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yep. But like, you know, I don't know. You just kind of, hear of these filmmakers who had like a string of hits in the seventies and nothing really came of it. But, you know, 30 years after the fact you realize a lot of people saw it. Right. And it kind of develops this cult following, you know, the big cult movie I think in the genre probably is Texas chainsaw massacre. I, I absolutely. I, I, and I just, I popped that in cause it was just recently Texas chainsaw day on social media uh-huh. And I forgot how just gritty and well shot
1: that movie is. Amazing film. One of my favorite films uh, that you, you really can't get better than that. It almost looks like a, a deranged home movie. And, and to watch it and to watch that first Leatherface appearance. Yeah. They, they, they weren't able, nothing they can do now can recapture what that film was. Uh, just a, a tremendous piece of film and, and probably the best like indie
0: horror flick grittiest hell that I've seen. I mean that that's an hour and 24 minutes of Toby Hooper working through his problems of Vietnam and whatnot and fleshing out his his issues and stuff and sure I, I just I love how I, I, that opening scene where they pull back and show that corpse, It's a beautiful shot with an absolutely grotesque (laughs) thing in it, but it's such a well shot thing. And you just, you kind of like, oh, you can feel it. It's going to be grimy and whatnot, but it's really not that gory of a movie.
1: No, they did a few very smart things. Well, they did a lot of smart things, but the ones that set with me, John Laroquette doing the intro, where it sets the tone where now you're watching something legitimate where it feels like, you know, based on true events, all that stuff, it felt real. Yeah. And, and like you said, you go in right to the armadillo, uh, dead in the road. And then you also add, um, I forget his name Franklin in the wheelchair where you're adding someone who's just like, you know, grotesque, but helpless. And so when someone's helpless and they're in a horror film and there are and Leatherface doesn't care. It adds something to it Like when he when it was Franklin and um, the blonde. I, f- I forget her name in the film when she's pushing them through the woods to try to figure out what's going on. And Leatherface just appears and starts sawing through
0: Franklin. I'm like, this is
1: you don't see that. It's, yeah. it's really amazing stuff
0: it, and to just the, the ending of that movie still gets oh. to me how she she gets in the truck. And he, you know, she drives off and she's doing the part where she's just, she's a mix of emotions. She's laughing. Yep. Cause like she gets away, but it's kind of that she got away, but at what cost? Cause you know, she's going to probably have a fucked up life now. <laughs> and like the, the last shot of is just iconic with him dancing around with the chainsaw. Totally. And it, it, that with that sunset, it's just, it's such a, it's just such a beautiful. It, it's weird to say it's a beautiful film, but I really think it's 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 a it's more than a cult classic to me. But um, yeah, I agree. Anyway. The the remakes didn't get it. You know, that, no, I, I didn't mind the the first one with Jessica Beale. Like it was fun, but I I know it's like those. You know, did it bother you that she went back?
1: Like. I am all for I like in, in my films, I try not to have I don't like the idea of damsel in distress or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like the idea of complete like madness, where uh, if it was me and I saw a family chopping people up like crazy, my first thought would not be go back and, and kick all their ass. My I would be like, yeah. I'm coming back with the police and the feds and the tanks, whatever it takes. And I'll take joy in watching you get taken out. But I understand it was a movie. I understand that. You know, presenting her as a badass uh, was trending kind of at the time, but I just kind of lost it at that point where I'm like, it didn't make any sense to me. Why go back against this machine? It didn't make a mistake it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me
0: uh, i I feel you I mean I, um I haven't watched and I got the remake. I think I bought it on dVD. It's behind me somewhere, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, the studio steps in, they got to make these different decisions and sure. I haven't really been able to re-watch it. So I don't really know what my, re- my reaction would be now, but and yeah. likewise, likewise,
1: because I haven't seen it in a long time. May, maybe I disagree with myself right now if I watch no, it again. No, no.
0: But I, th- there was like a couple sequels after that, that just, I was like, eh, I mean, come on. Like it doesn't touch on the, like the the substance of the just that gritty feeling of you know you're this is just isn't gonna be a fun ride (laughs) yes and just like the title alone which is probably one of the best titles of all time for like a for producing purposes the texas chainsaw massacre like i agree you know what you're getting when you're going in (laughs) and even then you don't like like i said you don't get a lot of bloodshed but just the sound like you know where he brings her in puts her on the hook yes you you just hear it and you're like oh like but
1: even when even when she bobs out of the ice box that was was intense as hell like the the the, uh sounds they use because when she jumped when they open up the icebox, she kind of flops out. They used a very high pitched, weird sound and it, and it hits. They, they, they knew how to play with you. And that's one thing like that's, that's that, that makes a good film. If they know how to play with you and scare you and you don't need a lot of blood. You need the person's imagination to kind of see it. And, and, and that's what they worked off of. It's
0: like the oldest trick in the book. It's not what you see. It's what you don't see is what gets you scared. And absolutely. I think I kind of do lean more. Towards that, I mean, I, I I don't mind you know killer with a bloody knife, blood and guts. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for that, but mm-hmm. I just think sometimes uh, I don't know. Sometimes that idea gets thrown into those slow burn horror movies where just nothing's happening. Y- <laughs> yes, yep. And I think that's just kind of where that trope gets a little screwed up. But I, I always, I don't know. I always like getting scared before the thing that's supposed to scare me, scares me. Yeah. I I enjoy that. and I I, I don't mind a slow burn. I saw
1: a a film called shock. I want to say it's like an Italian film and the, from the seventies or early eighties, very slow, Mm -hmm. very close to shutting it off, but I invested an hour into it. I'm going to see it out. And the last 15 minutes were so scary and dramatic. And I was so glad I hung in there because it was well worth the way. And and that's the thing we're we're in that you know youtube generation and, and i'm guilty of it you know where you watch something you you kill it after a few minutes where back in the day i certainly probably would have given it more of a a shot mm-hmm. this, but but this film yeah i kind of like the slow burns i try to hang in there and try not to be disappointed if every once in a while you get a real winner and shock was was one of them
0: yeah those italian giallo movies they can they can creep up on you in the last 15 20 minutes so oh yeah okay we have talked a lot about other movies <laughs> i want to talk about you got something to plug i mean you've, you've mentioned it a few times uh rise of the scarecrows hell on earth right hell on earth yes yeah. sir uh, i mean i know maybe you don't want to give away literally everything but just tell me what you can okay um i'll start with i've been out of the film game
1: from a production standpoint for about seven years I went through a couple negative things with some uh people that turned out to be scumbags and criminals and such and um happens and I yeah and I said to myself why do I want to do this well I work for a company a production company called Cinema Epic and uh, I started writing films to be produced by them and I kind of thought well this is I can live like this I don't need to produce films because I was still kind of reeling from the bad experience uh and and then one morning i just woke up and i I said i want to film something and long story short i was in my uh area where i have all my film equipment looking through it and staring right at me was a scarecrow head and i said to myself well that's the sign it's time to make a feature and and at the time i said uh, i'm gonna film it you know like it's my last because it might be i just want to make one more film and just see how it goes. See if I can find that love again. So uh, I wrote Rise of the Scarecrows. I had three actors in mind. I'll give them a, a plug. Brent Northup, uh, Eric McKellian and, and Lori Bacon. Uh, so I wrote them. I wrote these characters of uh, Ben, uh, Mitch and Stacy with those three in mind. And and I felt starting with that foundation, I could have a, a good film. And, and, and with Rise of the Scarecrows in 2003, it got, that got me on the map. And I always felt that I never did that one right. Like I it it got panned and rightfully so. And I I wanted to do a Scarecrow film, you know, right. So if I was going to have a last film, I may as well fix something that that uh, I I felt was really broken. So I wrote the script um, in September of last year and um, ended up uh, uh, meeting up with one of my friends named Hebert. He had a mountain. That we could film on and so all of a sudden i'm like oh shit we got a mountain we got a house uh we're, we're gonna to have go. a yeah we're good to go and so rise of the scarecrows uh became a reality we have um, the basic storyline is you have a a writer and he's um not doing well he's he has the he's under contract to produce a book and it's not going well his mother died and so he kind of and his dad lives in the country so he kind of thinks if he goes back and lives with his dad the, the quietness of the country and the reconnection to nature will prompt, you know, his creative juices. But he starts seeing some mysterious stuff. Um, he ends up meeting up with some campers that are camping up in the woods because if you have a uh, in-the-woods slasher, you need campers. And so uh, a lot of twists and turns. I try to surprise the viewer, but um, you eventually got the uh, Mitch and Stacy uh, and the campers trying to stop these huge killer scarecrows that are killing in a very unique way. Like uh, I don't want to give too much away, but every tool that we have is about a hundred years old. They're all old farm tools. The scarecrows are meant to be these immortal figures that have collected things over time. And so the way they kill them is very barbaric. And uh, the scarecrows themselves they look very neat. They you know, uh, I have a friend that made the masks uh, Rick Caride, and he did such a great job. And so I I spent nine months, Tyler, preparing for this film and which I never did before, which was the I think the secret to why it's so much better. It was just like uh, preparation. I wanted the gore to be right. I wanted the uh, Scarecrows to look good, you know, because like in the in the original Rise of Scarecrows, Uh, Long story short, I know I'm rambling here, Tyler, so you can uh, hit the the gong or shut me off at any time. No, you're giving Um, me a lot
0: of content here, pal. All
1: right, good. And original Rise of the Scarecrows, the 20-year-old me was like, I need three big guys. And so they they showed up, and my buddy brought three big guys, but they were all, you know, heavy guys. And Scarecrows typically don't eat a lot. And so I'm like, but at 20, I'm like, I got to take what I can get. So with this film, I wanted the Scarecrows to be, like thin and, and, you know, like uh, it basically just like look like what a scarecrow would look like. And so I think the look of the scarecrows is badass. Um, the film definitely uh, plays out like a Friday the 13th film. Uh, it, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan. And um, so when I watch it, uh, I think of Friday the 13th. So I think I did what I set out to do. Um, uh, uh, like I said, I tried to check every box. I, I look forward to, um, you know, seeing what people think. It's, I have a few critics out there, actually, that I'm friendly with that trashed the first film and that are very interested in this one. There's, there's one of my one of the critics has a little puppet, little ventriloquist dummy there. And they took 45 minutes, which I'm very thankful for, to uh, tear apart scarecrows in a very funny way. And so I want that dummy back on this one. Even if they hate it, I don't care, but I just feel like, you know, uh, we kind of knocked it out of the park on this one and I might be wrong. people still might not like it, but when I watch it, I'm like, I have no excuses this time. this is this is the film that I wanted to make. And I should also mention my uh, cinematographer Pete Baez, who drove nearly four hours every shoot to come down dead tired to to run camera and to be there. So uh, I want to give him a shout out too. but yeah, um, uh, I'm very happy with it. I think uh, if you like Friday the 13th, this will be right up your alley.
0: All right. So scarecrows. Uh, I don't think there's enough horror movies with them as villains. And I actually think you, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen the first one. I look forward to eventually seeing the second one. I know there's a premiere coming up, which we'll touch on in a minute. Yes, but sir. I think there's like a, I don't think there's enough scarecrow films for horror movies. And I think, think that's actually like a niche villain in that genre that I think should be explored more I mean everybody runs to werewolf well actually not not even really lately with werewolves but you know your vampires and your zombies and psychological horror and ghosts and killers with the bloody knives and but I don't know like I kind of like how you ran with scarecrows (laughs) You know, and you're right. It is. It's a.
1: It's a missing niche. Like you had the 1988 Scarecrows, which was outstanding. You had a film in the early two, early 2000s called Dark Harvest, which uh, yes. not of people liked, but I loved that movie. I thought that I thought was, was a was good cool. movie. Yeah. And so, and you've had a few scattered here and there, but they really didn't bring it. Like I, I think like certain things we insisted on. Like I watch a lot of films, and a lot of films have a much bigger budget than Scarecrows. And they do the day for night shots where I want to do all night shooting. And so we had a lot of nights where we were shooting from 10 o'clock at night till six o'clock in the morning and then coming back to to do it again, because I I wanted this to kind of follow the same groove as uh, you may know, Madman, Uh, the film Madman. Yeah, I love that uh, one. That's an uh,
0: underrated one. What a good movie. (laughs) And
1: when I I talked to Paul Ellers, who played Madman, he had told me like how grueling it was and how the night shooting was killing everybody. And when he when I heard that, I said, well, that's exactly what I wanted to do, because I want you just lose something with a day for night, you know, and and I did that in an early earlier film. And and when I saw it, I was disgusted. I'm like, why did you even do that for that scene? So I understand you got to do it. You got to do it. But from my standpoint, I wanted to shoot at night the entire time we had uh, the rainiest month in July during our shoot. So we shot around that and we, we made it work. So when people see it um, I think, they you know, I, I really think they're going to dig it, but you know, that's me. I'm, I'm the creator. So it's easy for me to say it. Interesting.
0: No, I've um I've checked out all the social media pages for it. And like, you're not lying with the scarecrows. Like these are some, badass looking dude it's (laughs) it's, uh yeah it's pretty much the the real deal thanks man no yeah i think i'm i think it came out great i haven't seen it but i i sounds like it's gonna come out great um and there is a premiere coming up the end of october end of this month
1: yeah we are going october 30th in three rivers mass there's a place called the Palmer historical cultural center that usually does like church events and, and, uh, and bands and such. And and so this will be a little different.
0: You're putting um, a horror movie on in a church. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it actually <laughs> was a former church, uh, but, <laughs> but um, uh, we're going to have it there. Uh, we're, we're deciding whether or not to do two showings. Um, I, 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 when I shot sickle, we, we, we had the premiere there and we sold it out. And this one is kind of creating like a local buzz. Um, so I'm guessing, We'll do two showings on the 30th and uh, hopefully everyone can make it. Uh, there'll be notices coming out soon for tickets and things of that nature. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm eager. I can't wait. I'm still, I'm like at the tail end of the final edit of this thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited and, and it'll be released on streaming shortly after the premiere.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool dude. Curiosity. Uh, Cause I think I said this to Lori when she was on, is there going to be like an online place to buy tickets?
1: Yes, absolutely. We're actually setting that up now. So,
0: Because um, I was thinking I, I might buy one, even though I won't be there, just to show my support.
1: Well, I might show my gratitude by sending you a link that night. We'll talk about that off mics. Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Yeah. So uh, before we go, uh, I know you just touched on Friday the 13th. And I just kind of want to know, because I heard you, there would always be this debate on set about what was the better Friday the 13th movie. So I, I just want to know.
1: <laughs> yeah okay well um eric McKellion and i would have our arguments during the show and eric is the star of the film eric and laurie are the stars i should say and um we would talk about friday the 13th and laurie had mentioned how she thought the fourth one was my favorite i i'll throw that out there i, I don't like the fourth one the seventh one the new blood yes <laughs> that is my personal favorite and uh, number six, too. number six and seven seem like brother, sister films to me. I can watch those back to back nightly. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan completely underrated. It doesn't get the credit it's due. The other one, I would say the third one uh, is one of my favorites. But the fourth one, the only <laughs> the only thing that uh, uh, that came out well out of the fourth one is do you remember? Um, oh, what the hell is his name? Um, shit. Uh, the dad from Back to the Future. What's what was his name? Crispin Glover. All right. Crispin Glover in the fourth one does these great dance moves. Oh, yeah. I can. And so in, in Rise of Scarecrow's Hell on Earth, there's a party at the campground at night and there's a dance scene. And so Eric and me being such Friday fans, we incorporated some of those dances into the dance scene uh, when they're all partying. So I think Eric nails it. And um, it's a little nice uh, nod to the Friday the 13th series, which... Mm. Is my favorite horror series out of any of the horror series?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, no, I I don't know if I, I don't know. Okay, my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I like part four, but I don't, everybody puts it on this pedestal like it's a goddamn masterpiece. And I don't think it's that, that level. Nobody gives love to part two, no one does. No one does. And, I honestly think – this is just my opinion – I think it's probably, like, the most – I don't want to, like, say sophisticated, but it just feels like it's done with a lot of love. I agree. And, I mean, I know you have Jason in it, and he's not – he doesn't have the hockey mask yet. But there's just something about part two I go back to. And I don't know. It just it, – it's – I don't know. Nobody ever also includes part one. They just – they kind of just – I don't know. Part 1's cool, but it it's a who done it up until the end and you yeah. know. But for me, it's probably going to be part 2, but I think part Six is just so much goddamn fun. It because is by then. It's like, yo, we know this is part six. We're super meta. We're gonna have some fun <laughs> with this. It's uh, what Tom McLaughlin directing. Yep, and he's just like he starts putting. I mean, that's where I. That's the song. That's the one where um Alice Cooper did the fucking. Song oh, awesome there. stuff. Awesome. And like, <laughs> and I like part seven. Part seven's a lot of fun. Part eight is a lot of fun, even though it takes he it's jason takes manhattan but he's like like in Times square for like five minutes and then they're in shooting in vancouver (laughs) yes yep oh yeah i love how crystal lake gets bigger and smaller throughout the franchise (laughs) and by part eight crystal lakes like a fucking great lake yes yes (laughs) it's awesome part three i i think it's I think people like part three because it's the debut of the hockey mask. And it's funny because, again, I'm plugging maybe to get somebody on the show. But I've reached out to Larry Zerner, Mm -hmm. who played, um, uh, I forget his character name, who played Shelly, who had the hockey mask on. And pretty much he was the one who ended up debuting the hockey mask to go to Jason. And he is actually an entertainment lawyer now. Yes, I I, saw that. I've heard him on podcasts and actually reached out to him for like consultations and shit. And he's like, I've talked to him via email. He's he's a really nice guy. And he doesn't like play. down. He doesn't really play up, but he doesn't play down. Like the fact that he's like, yeah, you know, I was on Friday the 13th part three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's an
1: awesome character. Yeah, that's a you're right. And yeah, that's where the mask debuted. And in the third one, I I liked also the very ending of that film where she's on the boat when he kind of breaks out of the barn and he just has that look on his face.
0: Yeah. (laughs) love that shit love it that's that was kind of the like yeah jason was like a back-ass hillbilly in that one like two and three he's kind of like some back-ass hillbilly you know from the woods and then you know he turns into you know you know super jason and the other one. <laughs> um, and you're
1: you're right though about the sophistication of the second one the second one seemed to be done uh is well-crafted and outside of the outside of the beginning where they kind of just had um yeah the girl girl from the first they wasted about 15 minutes but once it gets into it the storytelling um yeah it's it's a much better film than people give it credit for i totally
0: agree you can you can tell they had more money that time around but yeah that opening where it's just like okay jason goes to her apartment uh Jason can get a fucking plane ticket. Like <laughs> 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 This mongoloid can hop on Delta Airlines. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like part two, you can kind of grab the, the non-horror film, non, non-horror fans over and to get them to watch that one and they actually might kind of respect it. Um, I agree. All right, man. So to wrap things up, you are quite the talent in this genre you have the work to prove it you have the resume and you have seems to be something really exciting coming out so i just thought i'd say congratulations on finishing the film thank you i look forward to seeing it down the road i mean i've talked to a lot of people who know you before i've actually got a chance to talk to you and they have had nothing but good things to say about you say about you so you're a pretty stand-up dude good to hear that for once (laughs) Anything you wanna like? Where can we stalk you on the internet? Um...
1: Uh, well, yeah, um, scaredstiffreviews.com is my website. You know, I I have mad ramblings. I do reviews. We do, you know, sports, music, all that kind of good stuff. Give um, me a shout out on it. I did, and I will continue to do so. Thank you. Um, you, you know, I just encourage people to look out for, you know, Rise of Scarecrows Hell on Earth. Uh, also, Amityville Cop uh, is a film I wrote that's coming out yeah, the same. The, the same month. And, and that one is a kind of a tribute to maniac cop. Laureen Landon from maniac cop is in it. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on there. And uh, also another film that's being shot in a month or so is called um, uh, final payback. It's an action film I wrote. So I got a few irons in a fire. I appreciate anyone uh, checking, checking it out. They can uh, find me on Facebook. I accept uh, all friend requests uh, with the exception of the catfishers and the the uh, the crazies.
0: Okay, all right. I'll leave a link to pretty much all those in the show notes when this thing airs. So, well, Gino, thank you for coming by for the, the thank basement. you for having me.
1: Well, yeah. this is this podcast is the bomb. I loved it when you uh, had Laurie on. Uh, you host a good show, my friend.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm trying. I've been been doing this all year. We started recording back in February and then started airing in April and. I literally was just going to do like 10 episodes and then like do another season the next year. And now we're just, I'm just going. That's (laughs) awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, That's so
1: awesome. Congratulations on that, man. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Um, and as for all of you listening out there, you know, the routine, uh, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. I'm going to stop saying that Uh, just (laughs) (laughs) you guys know what to do. Uh, Thank you all for listening and we will see you next week on the basement. Take care.